0: Begin today a series of sermons that will go not quite four weeks in a row, but spotted through the next few weeks, entitled, Be Perfect, That's Your Charge. Now this is inspired actually by the last verse in the passage of scripture selected for today. May God bless to us the reading of God's word, fifth chapter of Matthew. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect. There it is. Be perfect, therefore. As your heavenly Father is perfect. The word of the Lord. Amen. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to Thee. O God, our strength and our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. All right, this is a total setup. Be perfect, even as your heavenly parent is perfect. I mean, really, not possible. For despite rumors to the contrary, I'm not perfect, and likely never will be. I can give you the addresses of people you want to ask if you want to just check on that. And I know many of you, and um, you know as much as, as good as you are, I, I also know you're not perfect either. None of us is perfect, of course. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't somebody in our congregation who knows how to throw a perfect curveball or make a perfect souffle. Those goals might be reachable, at least for a minute. I'm talking about being perfect in the way that Jesus seems to be commanding us to be. And even, let's say, you're almost perfect in that absolute sense, and and you know who you are. Near perfection will probably undermine itself because... If you're nearly perfect and you know who you are, then you'll probably start thinking you're nearly perfect, and then you'll fall into the sin of pride and you will backpedal and not be so perfect. Then again, there is a kind of perfection in knowing that you're not perfect, a kind of perfect self-awareness, but now I'm getting myself all tied up in knots. And so, who really knows what it means to be perfect in this kind of all-systems-in, perfect kind of way? Because with imperfect knowledge, which each one of us has, how do we know what being perfect is? So, maybe the philosopher Kenneth Burke was right when he said that humans are rotten with perfection. We want it, need it. Strive for it and ruin it. Like looking for closure in an open-ended world. So maybe it's just better to give up on all of this perfection business. And just be who you are. And give who you are in this moment to God. And let God judge with mercy. Let God heal, encourage, redeem and woo us forward. Isn't that enough? Well, yes, that is enough. And that is perfect in its way. So where are we? I guess uh, we're at the thought that perfection is not just what we do or how we are, but it is about who we are and how we relate to who we are in God. Ah, uh, now we're getting somewhere. Do better. Love more, even in ways impossible for someone as human as you. Turn to God, who is your perfection. British theologian Austin Ferrer once said that The message of the gospel, as it applies to life, can be boiled down to a simple syllogism. Be perfect. You can't. You must. In God, all things are possible. I think that's what I'm saying. But oh, 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 notice something else about that passage of scripture just read. And this is also kind of important. Jesus is talking there to a group of people, not just to an individual person. Being perfect is also a command to the church and not just to each individual sitting in the pew or watching on screen. We're told to be perfect together. So I guess we also need God together. So we're getting closer now. And we can say that perfection is not in us, and not in the church, or not in any group. Perfection is in God. And so here's something else to notice here, if you will. The word that we use to translate perfect is not quite as static as the word perfect tends to mean in English. We hear the word perfect as if perfection is somehow fixed, like past, present, and future, transcended in something that is quintessential, beautiful, and whole in the moment that it is seen, like a jewel that we admire from a distance. But the word translated perfect is as much here about direction as it is about status. What is perfect in the New Testament is perfectly and rightly oriented, single-faced, set right. What is perfected is perfectly directed. It is a way of being in and through life, not just over and above life. The word even resonates in scripture with the idea of growing up. So would it help if we heard a kind of grace note on this command resonating as we hear that scripture read? Be perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. Grow up even as your creator births you. Set your face toward God as God looks forward at what is coming. Watch with God, with the peace of mind and confidence of heart that is found in God. Resonate, vibrate, sing in harmony, speak in echo, rest in embrace, listen in focus, act in sync with God's Spirit. And acknowledge the imperfections in you and around you like the frayed edges of life. And through the work of Confessing, seeking and giving forgiveness, rethinking and retooling, repairing what needs to be repaired, and keeping at it despite falling back. Through that work, let the perfect appear. At least now and then. Keep growing up no matter your age. You, personally, us, together, yes. But but isn't that more poetry than reality? Where's real life in all of this? How do we know that we are on the way? How do we avoid the circle of self-deception or that pendulum swing between self-righteousness and self-pity that catches us all too often as imperfect as we are? That's all a good question, and I wish I had an easy answer. But there is a response to that question right there in the same passage read that concluded with that command to be Perfect. It's just before. It's in all that Jesus says about love. Love. Love is how we are supposed to operationalize all of this perfection business. Love. Our kind of go to idea to talk about God's perfection, our go to idea about how we might just participate as imperfect as we are love. The idea that links us to each other and to God and to the process that I just called perfection. Our Lord talks as if perfection is the impossible possibility of living out of love. The love he means is a kind of love that works through the kinds of love that we usually talk about. It's a love that moves through romantic love, but can never be reduced to just a feeling It's a kind of love that moves through the love of family, but can never be reduced to that. It's the kind of love that moves through the love of friendship, but can't be reduced to that kind of love either. It moves through the love of nation, or church, or community, or cause, or identity, but can never be reduced to any of those kinds of love either. It's the kind of love we see in Jesus. Who, though perfect, came to us in an imperfect human form. Who, though loving, suffered hate in ways profoundly and absolutely undeserved. Who, though rightly angry and rightly deserving of justice and retribution, sought neither, but absorbed the pain and the brokenness and imperfection of the very people who caused him pain. Who, though he could free himself and leave us to our own devices, if he wanted to, he did not. He did not and does not abandon us or condemn us or let our brokenness break him. He broke the chains of imperfection by simple, persistent, perfect love. Even love for those who did not love him. Even love for his enemies. And there it is. The answer to how we can see the direction, act of us in this command to be perfect is grace stronger than resentment? Is faith stronger than fear? Is love stronger than hate? Jesus named evil and was wise to sin and imperfection he healed what spiritually and sometimes physically ailed us he showed us favor and patience and tolerance he taught goodness without compromise and yet never lorded it over us he lived with us but did not fall into the mess that was all around him and around us today he did not try to feel better or justify himself by wanting harm or shame for his enemies. He bore the frustration of being misunderstood even as he did everything he could to help us understand. He had nothing to prove but love. Hard one, worked out love even for the unlovable, even for those who appeared unredeemable, even love for enemies, even love for enemies who would never become friends this side of paradise. This Jesus, love himself, calls us to this kind of life, and he helps us find it. Now, he is our guide, our touchstone for growing up, our impossible measure. But it is not our mission to be Jesus, for Jesus alone is Jesus and God alone is God and we are not. The real possibility on offer to us is to get on with it, to get oriented, and to grow up bit by bit, even by fits and starts in and toward this kind of love, realistically, toughly, full of hope, and ready to work. Right here in this sanctuary, Right in our families and in our communities and all over the world, there are people making real choices to put themselves in the way of this kind of love, as imperfect as they are. And they're doing it with others as imperfect as they are. They're choosing love. Like our mission partners and teachers in the ministries, That we support in Haiti who are choosing to worship with joy and live with faith and teach the children and tend the sick and do the work of love in the midst of grinding poverty in the face of genuine threats of harm and hopelessness. And like our mission partners, and teachers in the educational work that we support in Bethlehem, on the West Bank. People who live without civil or national rights, without control over their own futures, who live in fear, who are choosing to tell the truth without hate, and who are choosing to build a future on the ground for real people of all faiths and who are choosing to follow a nonviolent Jesus as they do and like our friends serving individuals and families experiencing homelessness here in the valley who choose to forgo richer or easier careers to help folks who are very difficult to serve and who expand their reach in the face of a crisis that is only growing And like any one of you here today who decides against anger and chooses instead to listen to others and to your own heart and to trust that truth can still speak even when words fail and that love can be stronger than hurt, And that all will be well one day. And to find happiness in that knowledge. And like the powerful movement that we remember this day, as we remember Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the strength of love that he preached. This is perfection be encouraged. Amen.